We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ready, down, put, 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 put. This is the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming. Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears are back on the practice fields for their first OTAs of the year. Uh, actually, the first one was supposed to be last week, and the Bears decided to cancel them. So technically, week two is actually week one here. Uh, the media was allowed today um, as we're recording this Wednesday, and they have one more practice on Thursday. We'll break that all down. Who was there? Who was not there? The latest in the Bears quarterback situation, a key injury to a rookie, and a couple free agent um, visits and rumors circling the Bears, plus the latest on their draft class. Before we do all that, though, I'm going to introduce my co-host. Aaron Lemming is here to join us, as always. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's it's uh you know we're in the beginning of June at least for here in Texas. It's not that bad yet in terms of the heat, so I can't complain there. The White Sox and the Cubs are in first place, and I mean what what's what's there really to complain about being a Chicago sports fan right now, right? Right. I was gonna say, dude, it's like going into the summer here in June. The Cubs are in first. The White Sox are in first. Both are playing really damn well and guess what man we have some quarterback excitement and and even if Justin Fields doesn't start week one which I still think he will it's still going to be fun to watch him in training camp and have a little bit of hope so it's like we have our main summer sports with baseball and then kind of football going into the fall Um, and there's a lot of excitement here in Chicago man yeah, there is. I mean, I mean, what's not to be excited about? I mean, as as far as you know, obviously baseball goes. I think 
I think you would agree. I know you're a Cubs fan that the Cubs are exceeding expectations right now. I mean, it's it's been a pretty incredible turnaround for them. It, it goes from you know this narrative about them selling off in July to all of a sudden they're in first place and they've won what nine to ten and they just swept the Padres, who coming into that series were the best team in baseball by record. So it's like, yeah, I mean, what's you know the White Sox are kind of the same thing right now. I mean, they're playing playing good baseball, and then obviously you know kind of looking towards the Bears, which you know this is a Bears podcast, and I'm sure some people listen to this and are not White Sox fans or Cubs fans and probably don't want to hear any of this. But you know, then you look at the Bears side of things, and you know again, and we've talked about this pretty extensively. I don't know how good I feel about them moving into the season. I think a lot of that is going to be determined by whether or not Aaron Rodgers comes back, and there's still a lot of doubt on that. I mean, you know, we have moved into as we're recording this. This is June 2nd today, so we've moved into the post June 1st era, which is nice. Um, you know, the Bears obviously got uh, nine million dollars. Um, from that release of Charles Leno last month, some other teams have gotten some, you know, some money back. But also, this is when any signing or, any, or more the point, any cut you make or any trade you make is all designated post June first, which basically means that any dead money on that deal gets cut in half. So you get, you know, half hits this year, half hits next year. So it saves teams a decent amount of money. And you know, kind of looking at that with the Aaron Rodgers situation. This is when they can actually trade him and not take a giant financial hit. Now, obviously, everything we've read and heard so far has said, no, we're not, you know, the, the Packers are saying, no, we're not trading this guy. And I think they're they're smart for doing that. And But I, I do think at the same time that, and I'm sure you probably agree with this, that Aaron Rodgers is a very, very different dude. Now, I've read some things that kind of, you know, have said that he thinks he's more likable than he is. I don't know how I'd feel about him if he wasn't, you know, if he, if he wasn't the Packers quarterback, I don't know. Personally, I, I don't know. I, 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 to me, his personality is kind of, you know, kind of rubs me the wrong way in a lot of ways, but regardless of the fact, Aaron Rodgers is a elite quarterback. He just won the MVP at age, what, 30, 36 or 37 years old. And there's some clear turmoil going on within the Packers. And while they say they may not trade him, uh, you know, all we got to do is rewind a few years ago, back going back to 2018, in a similar situation with Cleo Mack and the Raiders, where the Raiders were saying the same thing. Oh, he'll report to camp. We're not trading him. All of a sudden, he doesn't report to camp. He doesn't report to the, you know, the, the uh, you know, the mandatory offseason stuff. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this guy's serious. Like, he's not going to play unless we give him a contract. And in the situation of Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it's as simple as the whole money situation. I really don't. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. I think there's some deep-seated issues there. And, again, kind of going back to Rodgers as a person, he's just a different person. Like, I don't think this is a situation where the Packers can throw – you know, 40, you know, 41 or $42 million a year at him for the next few years, rework the deal. And he's happy. I don't think this is about money at all. I think this has a lot to do with the lack of power or say that he has in the organization and how they've handled things. And, you know, now everything's kind of coming to a head you know, maybe this is optimistic on my part, but I don't think, you know, come this time next week when the Packers actually have their mandatory stuff, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is showing up. And I, I, I just, I find it very hard to believe that anything's really going to resolve itself until it gets closer to camp. And whether that's Aaron Rodgers is coming out and saying, Hey, I'm not playing this year, whether the Packers finally cave in and say, okay, well, we got to trade this guy because he's not going to play for us. Or, you know, in the, uh, you know, the very, very unfortunate scenario where he decides to cave and, you know, signs a new deal and comes back, we'll see. 
But I think a lot of what goes on with the Bears this season is going to be very dependent on what goes on with Aaron Rodgers because the Packers do have a really good roster, but you take a quarterback away from that team, an elite quarterback, and you replace him with somebody like a Jordan Love or a Blake Bortles or somebody like that, all of a sudden, you know, the the rest of the roster means very, very little if your quarterback position is in that type of peril, as we've seen as Bears fans. Yeah, things can kind of, you know, open up here in terms of the NFC North, especially with this Aaron Rodgers situation. I mean, if he goes elsewhere, you know, the Packers go from being the favorites in the NFC North to, you know, maybe a second, third place team, uh, depending on what the other teams do. And that's just, that'd be great news for Lions, Vikings, and, and Bears fans, especially after watching Aaron Rodgers just absolutely torch them uh, for the duration of his career in Green Bay. That's certainly a situation, you know, to kind of keep an eye on. Another situation to keep an eye on is, as we expected it, there were some notable absences at Bears rookie, or OTAs here um, on Wednesday and as well as Tuesday and very likely Thursday. This will probably go into next week as well uh, in terms of the absences. And, you know, to kind of make it easy, I'll just say this. Pretty much the entire Bears starting defense um, except for Roquan Smith, was not at practice on Wednesday. Uh, I'm not counting the, the, the DB2 because we don't know who that's going to be, but Desmond Trufant was out there. Kendall Vilder was out there. Uh, mainly every guy challenging for that starting spot opposite of Jalen Johnson was out there. But, you know, Eddie Jackson was not. Akeem Hicks was not. Cleo Mack was not. And this was expected. I just kind of found it interesting that Roquan Smith, the year he – was having and pretty much considered a veteran at this point in his career was there. And, you know, for me, that, that kind of tells me that's a leadership move. That's a move of him stepping up and being out there and getting in that extra work after being snubbed of, of what should, was an all pro season for him. The other notables that were not out there, Allen Robinson was not out there as expected. Nick Foles wasn't there, but that was kind of a personal matter um, for him. Tariq Cohen was there, was not doing uh, much of anything as he's recovering from that surgery in the injury he suffered last season. It was a week three against Atlanta. And then rookie wide receiver Daz Newsom was not there. And then we later found out that Newsom actually injured his or broke his collarbone on Tuesday, diving for a football, landing on his shoulder really hard. And per NFL Network's Tom Palacero, he is going to be expected to miss eight weeks after having surgery this Thursday. That's a tough loss. But, Aaron, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to talk a lot about this when we expected it. I mean, pretty much we expected the main guys not to be there on defense, um, as well as Allen Robinson. Was there anything kind of surprising for you in terms of these absences that that I went through? Well, I think it's kind of interesting because when you look at it, I mean, obviously the offense has been the focus all offseason, right? I mean, the offense was terrible the last few years. Trubisky's gone. They have two new quarterbacks in the mix. Uh, you know, they got a, you know, a, a few new pieces on the offensive line. But what's more interesting is that when you look at the defensive side of the ball, there's some key uh, players that are now missing on top of the fact that they have a brand new defensive coordinator. So, you know, and Sean Desai, so it's one of those situations where it's kind of interesting to me, and again, this is all voluntary, right? So really, you know, in terms of how it was written in the CBA and has been written in for a while now, 
These are all voluntary things. The difference is over the last year or two, a lot of players have become unhappy with the way things are and a lot more people have been outspoken. And now you're seeing a lot more teams and players as a whole, not even really holding out, but basically just skipping out on the, the voluntary aspect of it. Now, I don't know that anything surprises me, but I do think it's it's very interesting that essentially none of the starting defense outside of Roquan Smith was there, especially, again, with a new defensive coordinator. Now, I understand Desai is somebody who has been within the Bears organization for a while. You know, the players are familiar with him and all that. But I would assume, and I could be wrong, but I would assume that this is going to be somewhat of a new defense, maybe not a complete new defense or whatever it may be. But I would assume that there's going to be things that even the veterans of the team are going to have to learn. So it's kind of interesting because usually you take this time to kind of, you know, acclimate and and get situated. And, you know, you're not really going super hard. And obviously there's no pads until training camp starts and all that stuff. But again, up until a few years ago, the, you know, the, the voluntary aspect, most players showed up. And obviously now you're in a situation where, outside of the Daz Newsome injury and, you know, maybe not Al, you know, Allen Robinson and some of the other ones that may be obvious, the fact that the defense didn't show up or the majority of the starting defense didn't show up is a little interesting considering the change at defensive coordinator, at least to me. Yeah, that, that was kind of key because, you know, we only get limited reps here with this defense uh, throughout the offseason. And then you have, you know, a new defensive coordinator in Sean Desai. I mean, the guys are familiar with him. However, you don't get as many reps um, if you are missing these offseason practices. Now, they'll have the mandatory stuff in a couple of weeks of three days of that. Then they'll have all of training camp and preseason. But you have to wonder if, you know, not having these reps with a, with a, with a new defensive coordinator and kind of some new pieces here coming in, maybe, you know, that does impact them a little bit. Offensively, you know, not as much. You know, Allen Robinson is a good enough player where the quarterbacks can still, you know, develop some chemistry with him. Now, obviously, you'd like to see Justin Fields and Andy Dalton get some work with Allen Robinson. That will come down the line. I, I think the biggest thing to take away from these, you know, OTAs, is the quarterbacks learning the offense because Nick Foles right now is the only one that really knows this offense spending time in it. Andy Dalton's new to this offense. He doesn't really know the playbook as much. Yeah. He's been studying it since he's been signed, but it's going to take some time and you got to get those reps in same with Justin Fields. I mean, he was just drafted just over a month ago. So getting him those reps with these players uh, certainly helps. And going into these OTAs, Matt Nagy pretty much said it. Andy Dalton's going to get the, the QB1 reps. Justin Fields is going to be QB2, but Justin Fields will still get some reps. Nick Foles is going to get those third-team reps. And right now, I mean, Nick Foles' role on this team is to kind of get Andy Dalton and Justin Fields up to speed and kind of, you know, provide that veteran leadership to a young player like Justin Fields because – it's almost worst-case scenario if Nick Foles has to play this season. That means Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are either A, hurt, or B, playing really, really bad, and both those scenarios are just awful for the Bears. <laughs> it's it's just it's funny. You know, I don't mean to, you know, stomp on the parade at all, but it, it's just funny. Like, every single time you think to yourself, man, this, this uh, Nick Foles trade can't get any worse. It does. Like, 
it's funny that if you rewind basically what what 15 months last year when they actually made the deal and at the time it was widely regarded as one of those trades that were like what are you doing why would you take on that deal you know why would you trade a pick for him like you know you look at the Brock Osweiler deal a few years prior it's like you know, and the fact that basically, you know, they got back picks for trading uh, Osweiler. And then you look at the Foles deal when it was clear that he was never going to be the guy. And it's just, you know, you look at all that. I, I think really what this comes down to is it's this simple. They saw what Nick Foles had to offer last year and it wasn't good. And they knew that they could not go into what felt like and still somewhat feels like a, you know, one of those years where you've got to win to save your job. And they went out and not only did they, you know, they went out and they gave Andy Dalton $10 million for one year. You know, it's kind of spread out a little bit because of the contract structure, but it's a one-year $10 million deal. But then they go up and they trade up in the first round and they draft Justin Fields. So all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where you can guarantee Andy Dalton a starting job all you want. I mean, the reality of it is, is once we get in the uh, training camp and preseason this year with those three games, I think that's going to be a hell of a lot more telling. What's even more telling than both of, you know, that quarterback battle going on is the fact that the Bears are essentially paying Nick Foles damn near $7 million this year. He's got what, I think it's like another $12 million guarantee total, you know, through this year and next year on his deal. And they're basically saying, hey, man, like you're going to play the Mark Sanchez role at a pretty expensive backup quarterback rate. That's basically what he's going to be doing. And it's kind of one of those situations where, yes, there's probably some value to be had in terms of his leadership. By all accounts, he's a good dude. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. He's been through his trials and tribulations in his own career, you know, with Philadelphia and having, you know, a pretty solid year and then kind of fading out and then almost retiring before he went to Kansas City. And, you know, all the, I mean, he even fizzled out with St. Louis back, you know, when, when the St. Louis still had the Rams. And, you know, you look at that, that entire situation and then winning a Super Bowl with Philadelphia after everybody thought Carson Wentz was the guy to, you know, going to Jacksonville and coming to Chicago. I mean, we all know the story, but, it's it's pretty crazy to think that the Bears, as tight as they are against the cap, are going to be paying Nick Foles basically $7 million to be a guy that is going to have to be on the active roster because it would cost more to cut him than it would to keep him at this point. So you're basically going to sit him on the 53-man roster, take up another spot because you never want to have three quarterbacks on a roster. I mean, it's just really not something you want unless you're in a dire situation where you have three guys that you just have no clue what you have in. But you have a situation with the Bears where Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are clearly probably both going to see action this year, you know. So it's just, man, it's crazy to think that Nick Foles is basically going to sit there, make $7 million, hold a clipboard all year, play the mentor role. And, you know, I this is my guess personally. I think if, if uh, let's just say the New York Jets, because I think the Jets are really one of the only teams that makes sense as of right now before, you know, training camp and preseason happens with injuries. If the Jets – were to call the Bears and offer them a 2025, you know, seventh round pick, I think the Bears are absolutely dealing foals because trading him helps the mechanics of the, you know, of the cap a little bit more and, you know, whatever else. But outside of some miracle trade happening, um, I just, you know, I, I think he's basically there. I, I don't think he's guaranteed a roster spot. And I think the only reason he's not guaranteed a roster spot is because of a possible trade. I mean, he's still one of those viable veterans where if somebody goes down and you need a backup or you need somebody to come in and challenge for a starting role and you think maybe, you know, the last two years with the Bears and, and, and Jacksonville just wasn't used right. Okay, whatever. Like there's, 
there's always a need for quarterbacks. I mean, Mike Glennon continues to get jobs. I mean, that's just where we're where we're at in the NFL and the lack of actual quality uh, quarterback talent. But barring some injury or the Jets saying, "Hey, we need we need a better veteran backup for for uh, Zach Wilson," you know, he's going to be stuck holding the clipboard making seven million dollars. And you know, at this point, I don't think, and I'm sure he's a competitive dude. I'm not I'm not doubting that one bit, but. You know, if you told me that I could sit on the uh, sit on the sideline and basically have no thought of playing any football this year, and basically sit there and mentor somebody and make seven million dollars, I'm absolutely doing that. I'm pretty sure you'd be doing the same thing, right? Yeah, it's a good gig if you can get it. Unfortunately, I am not um, gifted athletically to to be able to do that. But you're right. You hit on a couple points, man. I, I think I think NFL franchises tend to and rightfully so because it is one of the most important positions um you know sometimes we overvalue backup quarterbacks and and sometimes teams you know overvalue quarterbacks in the draft by trading up to get them not saying that's the case of the Justin Fields but you know you have to get your quarterbacks you're going to trade up and make a move I mean we saw what Green Bay did a couple years ago trading up to draft Jordan Love how many times have we seen a team trade up in the second third round to get a quarterback and just not has not worked out you got to keep taking swings at, at that position. Um, but for the Bears, I mean, you know, they've taken a couple bad swings, and one of them is Andy – or not Andy Dalton. I'm sorry. One of them is Nick Foles. I understand why they signed Andy Dalton. We can all agree why. They did not know that they were going to get Justin Fields. Did they have their eye on Justin Fields? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, it was no guarantee. The bigger move was trading for Nick Foles and giving up a draft pick and and taking on that contract. When let's be real, you and I, we didn't think Mitch Trubisky was going to be the answer last season. But you could have got done exactly what you did last season, make it to the playoffs and lose a game, or you know maybe even not make the playoffs. What's the difference there? With Mitch Trubisky not having to give up that that asset, and they just kind of misevaluated Nick Foles. in that situation because it just it just did not work out and now he's gonna be paid unless you know a team like you said like the Jets want to come in and trade him I would take a seventh round pick definitely for him the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. 
Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Um, kind of looking, though, at OTAs today, they're really, you know, the Bears were on the practice field, but for me, it's it's kind of hard to evaluate. Number one, the, the, the defense just wasn't there. I think I counted three defensive linemen were actually in attendance, and, and they were all either um, rookies or undrafted free agents. And only Roquan Smith was the, the only starter there. So it's kind of hard to evaluate these practices. They're not really doing full, full go. I mean, yeah, they're doing a little 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11 seven, 11 11 drills, but it's not full go in terms of they're opening up the entire playbook. They're getting full speed um, in these practices. Now, that's going to change as we move on to training camp, but for right now, it's it's just kind of you're out there and you're kind of seeing them go through the motions. I will say, though, I, my two of my takeaways – I did think Andy Dalton had a nice day. He was pretty accurate um, finding his open receivers and tight ends. Justin Fields wasn't awful. He wasn't great. I wouldn't say he had a standout day, um, both through an interception in drills. But my biggest takeaway was that Chris Goodwin and uh, – or Marquise Goodwin, I'm sorry. Marquise Goodwin and Darnell Mooney are both really damn fast, and they both looked really good out there catching the football. I know that's not what Bears fans want to hear in terms of, oh, we want more nuggets and we want to hear how Justin Fields did exactly. But it's just, it's right now, it's just too hard to kind of evaluate these practices when not everyone's out there and they're not really going full speed. Well, you know, you talk about the speed aspect of the receivers, and the Bears put a very, very clear um, value on speed this year, you know, and speed and just quickness in terms of, you know, Daz Newsom being a draft pick and then obviously with Marquise Goodwin and then also uh, Demir Bird is, is signings as well. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that develops. And, you know, it, it, as far as the, you know, the practices go, I think it's kind of key to keep in mind too for a lot of fans is, you know, you guys got to go today and you guys will get to go next Wednesday as well. But I mean, they're running what, three or four days so they started yesterday. Now, I want to say they're doing three days each week. Is that right? Yeah. So it started Tuesday. They go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. So, so you know, it's kind of one of those things you keep in mind for fans where, you know, knowing this organization and how they run and how they think and how they operate, um, you know, they're probably going to do the least amount on Wednesdays because they know the media is there and they've got this paranoia about them that, you know, if, if – somebody films one play that all of a sudden their entire playbook is going to be, you know, completely exposed. So, you know, I, I think at this point in time, what it's going to come down to, you know, unlike past years where things were a little bit more open, you know, n due to, you know, COVID not being a thing is we're just going to have to be patient and, you know, hopefully you guys go next week and they're doing a little bit more, but the good news is, and, you know, obviously you know this cause you'll be there is at least for the mandatory, mini camp or whatever the hell they're calling it, the mandatory aspect of this thing um, in two weeks, you guys will be there for all three days. And I think that at least at that point, we'll see, obviously we should see the entire roster there um, outside of the guys who are injured. And then, you know, you, you'll see more participation and hopefully they'll kind of open things up because really that's going to be the, that's going to be the last thing before, uh, you know, before training camp rolls around. So, you know, again, though, I think it's it, really what this is going to come down to is patience, right? And patience for fans, because the reality of it is that the Bears are going to limit the media's access 
as much as they possibly can until they really can't do anymore in the, you know, in the training camp. But, you know, it's just going to be one of those things where we're probably not, you guys aren't going to see a lot, which means we're not going to get a lot because the bears are probably designing it that way. That would be my assumption. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, we will get a little more, um, you know, to go with these mandatory um, practices coming in a couple of weeks, but you know, they're just going pretty much going through the motions right now, um, going through the playbook and, and you know, kind of do it. Yeah. Pretty much doing the minimum. I would say that's kind of a good way to put it. Um, but you know, uh, another area we need to talk about Aaron before we kind of wrap things up and uh, you can kind of give more insight on this in terms of cap space. Um, you know, the bears have freed up some cap space. The, the, the recent cut of Charles Leno Jr. opened up some cap space, and the Bears were kind of looking at a couple free agents, according to a couple reports here. And Adam Schefter was the first one to report that Morgan Moses was going to be in Chicago. Now, there's some confusion. I think Schefter said Wednesday, and Rappaport said Tuesday for a workout. He's also set to, um, or he also met with the Jets last week, so he's drawn some interest. He's an offensive tackle that has played on the right side. He's, he's a right tackle. I think he's played one game at left tackle. And that's interesting because, you know, right now the Bears' right tackle situation is a little murky. You know, Jermaine Effetti's kind of slotted in as a starter. Um, they they, they want to use Larry Borum there. They also could use Larry Borum at a guard. But you bring in a guy like Moses, and you probably have your starting right tackle there with Tevin Jenkins on the left side. And then another name by uh, Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune was Brashawn Breland, a defensive back. Do you want to kind of fill in the listeners on kind of where things stand in terms of cap, and, and can they make this work? Well, it, it's going to be interesting because, you know, as of today, now that, you know, the post-June 1st has happened, so it happens on, you know, June 2nd, uh, Charles Lono Jr., the, the cut that they made last month, can, you know, that gives him basically $9 million in space. So as of this morning, according to the NFLPA's salary cap uh, um, report, I think they're at like 10.2 or $10.4 million in cap space. Obviously, you know, they signed, I, mean, well, I guess we can, kind of get to that right now as well they they sign five of their draft picks obviously you know if, if you've been paying attention it's basically everything but their first and second round picks which is their you know their quote-unquote big money picks in terms of what's going to cost so really what this is going to come down to is this right the the draft class as a whole counting against the cap is going to be about 3.8 million dollars so let's just say you know 10.2 million dollars you know you minus that you know the, the 3.8 you're looking at right around, you know, 6.4, 6.5 million dollars in cap space. Now, when you start to kind of fill out how things are going to work going into the regular season and in season, uh, there's a few things that you have to account for. One of those is right now everything is counting for the top 51, which means that moving into the season, you're going to have to account for two more players, probably around, I'd say, you know, $0.6 million, something like that. I mean, it's just really kind of how things are working out. So, you know, let's just say, just to be safe, you add, let's just say, you know, $1.4 million onto that. So now you're down to about $5 million in cap space. Plus, usually, you know, because you also have to account for um, the practice squad as well, which is going to be about $2 million because, again, they just uh, – announced today that they're going to go with another, you know, you can have up to 16 players on a practice squad. So right there, all of a sudden you're down to 3 million. And usually within in season, you want to have anywhere from one and a half to $2 million to kind of work with, with all the releases and, you know, injuries and everything. Cause if a guy goes on IR, you're still paying that guy. And then you've got to take somebody else and put them in that spot. So, 
you know, again, it's kind of one of those situations where realistically the Bears are in a comfortable spot to move on as is. Now, I guess the thing to kind of keep in mind here is that let's just say hypothetically they do go out and sign a guy like Morgan Moses. Let's just say they gave him one year and let's just say $4 million. They could do exactly what other teams have been doing and what the Bears have been doing this offseason and say, okay, we're going to give you a $4 million contract, but we're going to add in two or three void years onto that. And all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at a situation where, you know, that, that player is only counting, let's just say, you know, let's just say $2 million towards the cap this year. And then once you take out the, you know, the rule 51, they're replacing somebody, then all of a sudden that ends up becoming like a $1.4 million cap hit. So the bears have some flexibility. The reality of it is, is they could probably fit a signing around three, four, maybe 5 million, depending on how they use void years um, and still be sitting. Okay. But I think if they're really, let's just say hypothetically, they end up signing Morgan Moses and they sign Bashad Breland, I would guess Breland's going to get, you know, three, maybe four million. And then Moses will get four, maybe five million, uh, and then both on one year deals. And all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where the Bears are going to have to clear cap space in some way. And I know a lot of people are kind of looking at this and they're saying, OK, well, cool, cut Jimmy Graham. Well, I don't think Jimmy Graham's going anywhere. I also don't think Jimmy Graham's going to take a pay cut because at this point you have zero leverage. So. The only real move that makes any sense for the Bears at this point in time is to essentially restructure Robert Quinn's deal. Now, if you look at Robert Quinn's deal, this year he's guaranteed all of his money. He's not going anywhere. Moving into next year, if they wanted to cut him, they could without a June 1st designation, and they could save right around half his due cap hit, which usually – Rule of thumb, if if you can only save a half on a on a cap hit that big, that's usually not something you want to do because that's a lot of dead money. If they wanted the June first in, they could save even more. If they decide that they want to rework, because he's got about eleven million dollars in the base right now in base salary, they could basically convert a, a, a large chunk of that if they wanted to, and then just spread it out throughout the rest of you know the 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 deferral and the dead money throughout the rest of his deal. The only issue with that being, obviously, is that if they do something like that, then that almost makes him uncuttable next year to where it wouldn't make any sense to cut him. So that's that's kind of the risk you take. And again, I think the bigger thing is, is yes, you would be helping the team out this year with a guy like Moses or a guy like Breland or maybe both, and you're making your team better this year. But you're also taking away resources next year where the Bears, it looks like, depending on, you know, cap projections and what you've looked at, anywhere from about 45 to 50 million. But when you really start accounting for the fact that they're going to have even more free agents next year, there's questions, um, you know, really all over the place. Allen Robinson's going to be a free agent. Uh, they're going to have some, you know, Akeem Hicks is going to be a free agent. When you really start kind of compiling all that together, James Daniels is also going to be a free agent. So when you really start compiling a lot of that together, all of a sudden you kind of come to the realization that, okay, you know, the Bears are going to have some have some cap space to work with, but they're also going to have to sink that into, you know, re-signing some of their guys, making some moves, the different things. So all of a sudden that money, while it's better than it would be this last year, is still not going to be that great. So you still kind of want to be smart with how you're working 2022 and beyond with the cap because you don't want to continue to kick the can down the road like New Orleans has and some of these other teams have. I mean, Green Bay is another prime example because eventually it will come back and bite you. And with a quarterback on a rookie deal, somebody you're hoping is going to be your franchise quarterback, you want to be able to have some flexibility. So again, you know, you don't have to take with Robert Quinn's money, you don't have to take that $11 million as a whole, convert it into a bonus. And then, you know, it, it, they basically at max, I want to say they'd end up saving 
right around, I want to say it'd be like seven, seven and a half million dollars. They don't have to take all of that. They can basically say, okay, if they wanted to sign Breland and they wanted to sign Moses, they could say, okay, we're going to take a portion of this and do this with it. I mean, the reality of it is at this point, you might as well just take all of that money because the difference in deferral in terms of dead money and all that stuff that's going to affect you between, let's just say, you know, two to $3 million isn't really going to be that big when you're spreading it over the life of a deal. And Robert Quinn still has three years after this year. So Again, it's kind of one of those situations where the Bears can make some moves if they want to. They're like a lot of teams right now where they can continue to move money around if they want to. But the question is, is it wise to move money and kick money, you know, more dead money and hurt yourself in future years in a in a season where I, I think most people can objectively say right now, especially within the national media, I don't think anybody's really con- considering the Bears to be Super Bowl contenders. Maybe they sneak into the playoffs, but I don't think anybody's really considering this team to be Super Bowl contenders. So again, you have to kind of put, you have to kind of weigh the risk with the value at this point. Can they make the moves? Yes, they can. Should they make the moves? I think that's kind of the bigger debate right now. Yeah, and you know, it, it, for me, it's gonna be how comfortable are you um, with your right tackle situation right now and, and your ba- you know your defensive back situation right now I think you know for me if I had to take my pick between the two I would probably go um, with Moses at the right tackle spot but again you know he might not be a, a very cheap option and like you said you really don't want to be kicking the money down the line too much more now the, the cap does open up a little bit for the Bears next season um, according to projections but Again, you want to be smart with the moves you make, and it's easy to say, oh, cut this person, you know, restructure this guy. You also have to look at the future of those moves and if it's going to hamstring you a bit down the line. I just think, you know, they brought in Jermaine Fetty and pretty much tripled his pay. Um, I think they're going to stick with that and stick with Larry Borm for now, Um, and maybe they're just kind of doing their homework on on other free agent potential options. I still think we're going to see some some prize cuts down the line here, Um, you know, in terms of teams trying to free up a little more cap space, things like that. So the Bears could wait a little bit, but I just kind of found it interesting that they brought in or or have kind of kicked the can on a couple of these guys at positions, you know, like right tackle and like you know defensive back two spots where you know they might need a little help and maybe not feeling the greatest um at the position right now Aaron I think that will kind of do it um for this week's episode and uh can where can everyone follow you at and uh, read your work at yep you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter and you can read my work at thebearreport.com yeah, you can just follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. Um, you can find me on Twitter at at Zach Z A C K underscore Pearson. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on all major podcasting platforms. Please check us out on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Um, Regarding OTAs, it'll be the final week of voluntary OTAs before we ramp things up a bit with mandatory minicamp. Till then, everyone, please stay safe. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, Only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.